Welcome to the official podcast of Vertical Life Church. We are a non-denominational church located in Clio, Michigan. We exist to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. We hope you are drawn into a deeper relationship with God through this podcast and pray that through the sermons you listen to here, your faith would grow. We are always excited to hear from those who are impacted by this ministry. And we encourage you to email us at contact at vlchurch.tv to share how God is using this ministry in your life. If you would like to support this ministry, you can do so online at www.vlchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you for listening. fulfill his promises. And we've been praying together in unity that he would do some specific things, that he would build his church more specifically through us, that he would build this church, that he would provide for our needs, that he would keep us in perfect peace and in unity, that he would confirm his vision, what he has called us to do as the light bearers in this community, that he would confirm that vision to us and give us wisdom on how to pursue that vision. We've been praying even last week, that God would pour out his Holy Spirit upon us, that his presence would be powerfully uh, just obvious and apparent among his people when we gather together. And so as we continue to pray and see God together on these promises, this week we begin to turn our attention to another promise, a promise that every one of us are deeply in need of his fulfillment. You see, there are many ways in which people need healing. There are many ways in which people need to be healed. There are physical scars. There are physical infirmities. There are mental scars. There are uh, spiritual scars. And maybe here today, you're battling an illness, a physical condition that is working its way to robbing you of your hope, trying to keep you down, something the enemy has been working in your life, trying to rob you and steal your joy. Maybe you're battling some mental wounds that have arisen out of different situations in your life and circumstances, and, and the enemy is using those situations as a means to rob you of your joy. Maybe you're here today and you're really constantly wrestling with this dilemma that you don't really know what your purpose is and all your efforts to, to uh, you know, be a good person and to find some purpose in life has seemed to be in vain and nothing that you've been doing has been helping you find hope, hope to know you're on the right path, hope to know there's something worth believing in, that the struggle that you're encountering is worth it and that when all is said and done and you leave this life to go into the next life, that there'll be peace waiting for you on the other side. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with all three, physical, mental, spiritual. I want to tell you today, church, that there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. There is hope. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, this is what the word of the Lord records as Jesus was coming into the world. In verse 10, it says, the angels reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. If you are in this room today, you are part of the all people. 
There is joy that is coming for you today through the coming of Christ. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him or find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. There is good news for you today. The news of the birth of Jesus Christ was good news. Somebody say good news today. It was good news. It meant the Messiah was born, the long-awaited one that God had promised had come into the earth. And who was this baby? Who was the Messiah? What was he to do? What did this mean for the world? Well, the prophet Isaiah foretold of his coming and revealed what his coming would mean for the people of the earth. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1, Isaiah writes this to the nation of Israel. He says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. That's good news right there. But the time of darkness and despair will not last forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled. There will be a time in the future when the Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light is going to shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. It's good news. It's great news of comfort and joy. See, the Messiah was not just a baby. It's it's not just something funny we could uh, like hear in movies where people are praying to baby Jesus. It was the very God who created the universe in the flesh who had come incarnate into the world and he would enlarge Israel, his chosen people, by expanding his kingdom from one simple race to the nations of all the world, to all who are lost in darkness, to anyone who would respond to him in faith. He would break the heavy yoke of slavery and not just slavery to a government system under an oppressive people, but he would break the yoke of slavery of sin that has pressed every one of us, that has oppressed everyone from the time that sin entered into the world. He would bring everlasting peace Hallelujah. as the kingdom of God was unveiled to the world. John the Baptist was a prophet in the day of Christ, the cousin of Jesus, and his ministry began before Christ ever entered onto the scene, and he gathered a great following. People revered him as a mighty prophet, and during his ministry, he began declaring a powerful truth, or or after Jesus came onto the scene when John was arrested, Jesus began to proclaim a very powerful truth in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Verse 15 says, the time promised by God has come at last. 
he announced. The kingdom of God is near, so repent of your sins and believe the good news. John's ministry was essentially to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the people to receive Jesus when his ministry began. And when Jesus launched on the scene, he began his ministry by declaring the good news of the kingdom of God and all that Isaiah prophesied was now about to be fulfilled. But it begins with this message, repent and believe. See, the kingdom and that Messiah... The one that Isaiah prophesied, the very God who created the universe, would bring into effect uh, every promise, was now being unleashed into the world. And so the question is, is how did we know that Jesus was the one whom the scriptures foretold? How, how do we know that Jesus fits that description? Well, Isaiah continues in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. He says, the spirit of the Lord, of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For he, the Lord anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against his enemies. Other translations of the, of the scripture, other uh, uh, manuscripts will also include the blind will see. So when John the Baptist was in prison, he, he sent some disciples to Jesus because even John, his cousin, who had proclaimed Jesus to be the one, began questioning of whether or not his faith was in the right place, whether it was targeted into the right person. And John's disciples approached Jesus and asked him, are you the one that we were looking for? Are you the fulfillment of all these prophecies, these, these prophets of old, or are we waiting for another to come? And in Matthew eleven four through 6, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and have seen. It wasn't just something that they heard on a byline in a newspaper or across their, their news feed on Facebook. This is something they'd witnessed with their very own eyes. Jesus said, verse 5, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. He added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Jesus also, in defense of, of accusations against religious leaders that were always coming against him in his day, they accused him of using demonic powers to cast out spirits from, from people and to perform miracles. In Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Jesus proved through his ministry, through his miracles and his message that he was the one. And that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God would come through the preaching and teaching of the gospel. That the good news of salvation has come to those who believe. It was confirmed through signs and wonders. The healing of bodies from strongholds of sickness. The healing of the spirit from the stronghold of sin. The healing of the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions of a person. The healing of the soul from demonic strongholds. This kingdom had come and it was being unleashed unto the world. And this kingdom would be solidified through a promise God gave to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, the prophet said this. He said, the day is coming 
says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah, this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins." The coming of the kingdom of God was the revelation that this new covenant, this new relationship with God and his people, the one that would bring with it a new heart and an unbreakable relationship with God was about to go into effect. That no longer would it be about a system of rules and regulations and how many animals you could kill in a year. It would be about the one true God living and dwelling with his people. And Jesus, after his earthly ministry had been completed, on the night of his betrayal, in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, records this at this final supper with his disciples. It says, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 also records this moment beginning in verse 25. It says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. The new covenant would bring with it a new heart and permission to enter into the kingdom of God. This was now in effect and guaranteed by this promise and guaranteeing all of the benefits of this promise confirmed by the very blood of Jesus Christ. So the Lord's Supper is not just a time of remembering the Lord's death and and, in the moment where he gave his life for us on the cross. It is also a symbolic reminder of the promise that we have of God, the power of this new covenant and all the promises we have in Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus, the shedding of his blood comes with it the promise of healing. Isaiah 53 1 through 11, Isaiah says, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. 
There are three things the sacrifice of Christ accomplishes here in this prophecy from Isaiah. Number one, it says he was pierced and he was crushed for our sins. This is spiritual healing. This is undoing the curse of sin and death upon us that was unleashed at the fall. Number two, he says he was beaten for wholeness. This is mental healing, our mind, our will, and our emotions, these deep emotional scars that we've carried for so long. Number three says he was whipped so we could be healed. This is physical healing. This is a a, a revealing or a release from the things that bind us physically in this body. Since the fall of man, Satan has attacked our spirits, causing sin. He's attacked our minds, causing grief, and our bodies, causing infirmity and even death. But our God was not satisfied to accomplish only a partial deliverance for his people. His plan was to provide a holistic deliverance for his people, to lead us into an abundant life, a deliverance from spiritual, mental, and physical infirmity. All of it is available to his people. And he confirmed this through the Messiah's ministry and even through the ministry of disciples. This healing is available to all who repent of their sins and turn to God in faith through Christ Jesus. And this is the uh, the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup that has confirmed the promises of God representing the blood of Christ. It represents this promise and reminds us every time we gather at his table, it reminds us of the promise that he has given to heal us every time we drink it. And some of you here today, you may ask, you know, then why do some of us not receive healing? Why do many struggle all their lives with sickness in the body or or emotional uh, problems? Or why do some who, who claim to believe in Jesus eventually turn away from the faith altogether if we are promised to have this spiritual healing? You know, I think of Paul the Apostle in the New Testament, who was a a major ministry leader and missionary for the gospel, even had a physical infirmity upon himself, called it his thorn in the flesh. And he prayed multiple times to be healed, and, and God and Jesus really appeared to him and said, you know what, my grace is sufficient for you. Revealed to him that God had a greater purpose for that infirmity than even what he was prepared to know and understand in that moment. I believe there are things that, that happen that we just don't know. And I, I believe that God has a purpose for everything that we face. But Paul also in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six through 32 gives us a revealing of why some of us struggle and are bound down. And we may not even realize that this is the cause. And though I don't believe this is true in every case, I believe Paul's warning in 1 Corinthians 11 applies to more of us than we even realize. In 1 Corinthians 11, 26, in regards to the Lord's table, this is what Paul says. He says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And here's what he says. That is why you should examine yourself before you eat, before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For you, if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some of you have died.
That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some of you have died. Hallelujah. But, don't you like buts in the Bible? If we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we're judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. You see, the judgment we receive here in this passage of Scripture by sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus is not in God's wrath as final condemnation would come. No, it is in God's love. It is discipline meant to correct us, to realign us with his perfect will and plan. You may be here today struggling with an infirmity, whether it's mind, whether it's body, whether it's spiritual. You need to know today it is not because God is punishing you. It's because he's redirecting you back to himself. He wants you to humble yourself to him, to submit your life to him so he can produce within you the promises of the new covenant, the abundant life. He wants you to lean on and depend on him. Jesus said that if you want to be a part of the kingdom, it takes repentance and faith. Submission to God and struggle is one of the greatest and most effective ways to get our eyes off ourselves and place them on the King of kings and Lord of lords, to open our eyes to our greatest need, which is not necessarily healing. Our greatest need is to surrender to the Lord to receive his blessing through repentance and turning away from our sins. There are many of us here today that are really not in need of a healing, but you're in need of repentance. The healing that you're praying for is being hindered by the very sins in your life. Satan has a foothold that he does not have to relinquish because it is your sin that is giving him permission to attack you. You're holding a grudge against someone or maybe even many people because of what they've done in your life and that unforgiveness is a river of bitterness in your soul and every time you walk down here and drink of the cup of the Lord and eat the bread of, it is not the healing waters of the river of life that you drink, it is the cursed waters of judgment. There are those here, you're living in a moral life. You know what you're doing is wrong. But you ignore the admonitions of the scripture and you come up with excuses to justify your behavior so you can live according to the desires of your sinful flesh. It is rebellion in your heart. And even though everything may look good on the outside, God sees what's on the inside. And every time you drink of the Lord's cup, you do not drink from the waters of the river of life. You drink from the cursed waters of judgment upon yourself. There are those here who you really don't have faith in the Lord. Church, if you were honest with yourself, being a Christian is really just a religious exercise, which is why it makes no difference in your life. You wonder why you live unfulfilled and discontent, and no matter how hard you try to be a good person, sooner or later, things just end up falling apart, and you move from one cycle of struggle to another cycle of struggle. The reality is that every time you drink this cup, going through the religious motions, you are not drinking from the waters of the river of life. You are drinking from the cursed waters of judgment. 
to enter into the kingdom of God, to experience the power of the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of God's promises in your life, to heal us holistically of mind, of soul, of spirit, of body. We should examine our hearts and see where we are out of agreement with the will and word of God and repent. And we repent first by admitting our sins to ourselves. If we can't be honest with ourselves about what we're doing or what we're you know, uh, rebelling against God in our own lives, we can never fully humble ourselves before the Lord. You have to admit to yourself, God, I agree with you. I am sinning in this area of my life. This is not right. What you say about my sin is true. And then you have to confess your sins to God and and confess your sins to one another to allow the humility of the Lord to fill your heart and mind and then commit to living according to God's will in that area of your life. To turn from your sin as you trust in Jesus. Those who are bound down with unforgiveness need to forgive Those who need to change their lifestyle need to make a change. If you're dominated by pride, choose humility today and take a step of faith. Those who need to put their faith and trust in the Lord for salvation once and for all and say, Jesus, I'm going all in with you. This no longer is going to be a religious exercise. This is going to be a vibrant relationship with the God who created me. In just a moment, you come forward and lay yourself down uh, at the front of the stage and you cry out to God and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. You are my Lord and Savior. You see, we cannot please the Lord without faith, but he also rewards those who diligently seek after him. In just a moment, when we go into a time of prayer together, before we drink the cup of the Lord and eat the bread, we need to seek him in repentance to come forward and confess our sins to the Lord and make the decision to do what we need to do to come into agreement with his will. You know, it takes humility to confess your sins to others. That's something I struggled with for a long time. Oh, what would they think of me if they found out I was struggling? Well, they'd probably say, I'm struggling with that too. Let's pray together. But the fear of what other people think keeps us so often from doing what God wants us to do. It's pride that keeps us from being obedient to the Lord, keeps us from doing what we need to do, from repenting and laying down our sins so that we can receive his healing. Today, whatever you're struggling with, lay it down. Respond to the Lord by saying, God, I'm going all in with you. I confess the sin. I'm getting it out of my life. I'm going to pursue you in faith and see what can happen in the kingdom of our God. As always, when we come together to pray, the microphone's going to be open. If, if God is laying something on your heart to, to pray over the church or to speak, it'll be available. But today, when we get ready to enter into a time of prayer, We need to all seek the Lord to analyze our hearts and to come into agreement with his will and repent of our sins. If we could get the music track to play as we get ready to go into this time of prayer. Father, though your warnings to the church are strong, greater are your promises. 
and your love, which covers a multitude of sins. And these warnings to us are less about fearing the consequences and more about pointing us into the direction of your blessings and your love. God, you do not want to see a struggle. You don't want to see your child just burdened down with anxiety and, and the weight of the cares of this world. Jesus came to take our burdens. Jesus came to free us from our strongholds. Jesus came to bring healing into our lives, to heal our mental struggles, the, the emotional and inner battles that we face, to heal our physical infirmities, to allow us to have a healthy body so that we can honor you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Jesus came to produce an abundant life in us. But so often out of fear of rejection and how we've rejected our own selves because of the sin in our lives. We don't pursue the healing. We shrink back and allow the work of the enemy to continue in our lives. Oh God, forgive us for that lack of faith and that doubt. And Holy Spirit, I just pray now that you would speak loudly. God, I know even in my own life, it doesn't take much to think about what I struggle with. I'm aware of what my sins are. What I struggle with is doing something about them. So Holy Spirit, empower us now. Empower us to overcome our fears, overcome our pride, Overcome our doubts and disbelief and trust in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection and in the healing power that comes from the blood that he spilled. And I pray, God, as we go into this time of prayer, that we would flood your altar and that we would all be changed and transformed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I'm going to ask my wife to come down and we'll be available here. For the next few moments, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And I just invite you where you're at. No matter what you're going through, no matter what struggles, whether it be physical and mental, spiritual, that you begin to analyze, take an account, an inventory with your life. And if you would like my wife and I to pray over you, we'll be down here. If God is speaking to your heart and you have something in need to pray for the church, you come down and pray. But before we gather at his table, let's ready our hearts to receive the healing of the Lord. And that healing would be flowed out from these waters today and not discipline and judgment. I know the kingdom of God has come. Jesus said, the blind see, the lame walk. The deaf hear. The enemy is being cast out. And I have seen these things with my own eyes. My wife and I, we've seen the devil 
be cast out of people. I've seen someone healed in the palm of my hand at a prayer. I know the kingdom of God is here and is among us. The question is, are we going to chase after it? Are we going to believe? Jesus would tell people over and over in the scripture, your faith has made you whole. Do you believe enough in your heart to chase the kingdom of God, to chase the healing? Or is this just a religious exercise? When are the people of God going to rise up as the light and hope of the world where the kingdom of God is sought first and we don't worry about anything else? We don't worry about what people think. We don't worry about what our past says. We don't worry about our five-year and ten-year plan for the future and how following God's going to screw all that up. But it's the kingdom of God that matters and His righteousness. When are we going to be willing to lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours here in Clio, or I'm yours in South Africa, wherever it is you want me to go and what want me to do. But I'm tired of holding on to my sins. The next few moments, let's respond. If you want to come forward and pray, let's come forward. We'll be down here. And then in just a moment, We're going to eat together at the Lord's table and rejoice at what God's accomplished for us through the blood of Jesus.